feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, women. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non-binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join, Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans, arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on 3CR Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. We would like to acknowledge that this event and all of the work that we undertake as a crew happens on a stolen land. We wish to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the traditional custodian of this land we call now Melbourne. We pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We also would like to extend our respect to our trans elders past and present. Hush little baby, don't say a word Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird And if that mockingbird won't sing Mama's gonna buy you a diamond ring Happy Halloween! Halloween special on Querying the Air 3CR. My name is Sasha Sidek and my pronouns is she because I will never be her. So today I will be reading you ghost short stories by uh, queer authors <laughs> and also BIPOC queer authors. And also I will be playing all my favourite track from Lulu Rouge. Uh, I'm not sure if you are familiar with this uh, band, but um, yeah, I would like to introduce you, Lulu Rouge, um, on this episode of Curing the Air. So when I think about telling ghost stories... I think about sitting around a campfire, roasting marshmallows, telling spooky tales with a torch under my chin before retiring to my tent for the night. Despite the fact that that isn't an activity I've ever taken part in, like ever. <laughs> it just feels like the perfect way to share a scary story, especially when the sound of the forest rustling around and the stars overhead. Well, even if you're not in the forest, telling ghost short stories is a brilliant way to pass the time. So I have rounded up some of the very best ghost stories from our queer authors and BIPOC queer authors for adults and that are sure to give you a fright. Can someone please pass that marshmallows? (laughs) 
This is Horror Story by Carmen Maria Machado. It started so small, a mysteriously clogged drain, a crack in the bedroom window. We just moved in, into the place, but the drain had been working and the glass had been intact. But then one morning, they weren't. My wife tapped her fingernails lightly on the crack in the pain and it sounded like something was knocking, asking to be let in. Then the spices went missing. The sea salt, the rosemary, even our custom poultry bread. Finally, the saffron were $40 and I asked my wife if she'd been reorganizing the kitchen. She said she hadn't. A few days later, I found the soft red thread sprinkled in each cup of my bra. I would have gone to her and produced it as evidence. True evidence of what? I was not certain. But she has been out of the town that night. I shrugged the bra onto the floor before bed and was still gone when I picked up the next day. I tried to gather the saffron, but it dissolved to dust beneath my fingers, colouring the tips of burnt orange that didn't wash off for days. We blame the neighbours, we blame the cat, we blame each other, especially when I was in the bathroom and she was in the bedroom, and I heard her say, Love! Did you hear that sound in the basement? Can you please investigate? And she heard me say, Darling, did you hear that sound in the attic? Would you please go and see what is it? Luckily, we crossed paths when we did, in the hallway in between. Otherwise, who knows what would have been waiting for us in those cram of our house. But that only occurred to me later. At that time, we accused and accused, then agreed to not to talk about it anymore. The strangeness fed our discontent. We already been aloof, tender, and now we were fluttering around in our own rafters, sensitive as infants. We'd been discussing, counselling even before the clock drain and the crack in the window. But who can take the time to seek counsellors when your wife won't tell you why she's crying and invincible presence is tapping icy splinters of Morse code onto the palm of your hand as it did to mine the evening the power went out. After that, something moved around at night. It sounded like the cat until the cat disappeared. The padding continued, looping our bed like a satellite. 
soft pot, but no longer comforting. We lay there in the dark, asking each other questions. Do you remember when we met? Do you remember when we spilled that bottle of champagne all over the hotel bed in Reno? Do you remember that old woman we saw at the grocery store? The one carrying the baby doll? Do you remember when your cousin fell down the stairs at our 15th wedding anniversary? Do you remember that time I was trying to gentle nibble your finger and I bit down so hard by accident? Whatever walked around us gurgled like a pot at low boil whenever we fell silent. So we talked until we were too tired to care. We went to sleep in pyjamas and woke to find them neatly stacked at the foot of our bed. One morning, my wife had a blue ribbon tied around her ankle to which she was knotted to a tiny silver bell. My hairbrush vanished and showed up in the toilet bowl. My wife's daily vitamins were replaced with eight penny nails. On Tuesday, the full-length mirror only showed us our reflections as we were as girls, her gawky, me-fat, both awkward and years away from revelation that led us to one another to this house. I broke the mirror, not by accident. We did research at the library, at the city hall, at the local historical society. It turned out there had been a graveyard for criminals on the property where our home now stood. Also, a woman had been strangled by her lover in our bedroom just after the house was built. Also, a man has hanged himself in the attic during the Great Depression. Also, a teenage girl had been kidnapped and held in basement for years in the 70s before the kidnapper, who had never bothered offering a ransom, sent pieces of her body to the family in sets of Russian nesting dolls and then burned what remained of her on the front lawn. We tracked down the tenants who lived there immediately before us. Their eight-year-old son claimed the scene between the world of the living and the dead ran through the foyer. Last, we caught a woman we heard about through word of mouth who only went by the name Miss. Others swore up and down that she specialised in succeeding where others had failed. But she failed too and when she left, recommend we burn all the possession and moved out. Stories like these don't have a happy ending.
picking glass fragments out of her hair and waving smoking sage around her body as she departed. My wife, I had a fight about that too. She wanted to leave, I didn't. I can't handle this, she said. I just want to live my life. She blew her nose into a coffee filter because every tissue in the house had turned to ash. But our life is here now, I said. Also, we can't afford to break the lease. That was the biggest indignity. The landlord had rented us a haunted house for above market rent and we didn't have the money to move. We left him with a few voicemails about the matter but aside from sending a handyman, he dragged up clumps of blonde hair and sparrow bone branded with unreliable symbols from the depth of the drain. He didn't seem particularly concerned with our plight. That final afternoon, I opened the bedroom and instead of saying one bedroom where my wife had been resting with the curtains drawn, I was looking into the boudoir of young woman from a long ago century. She was sitting nude before a mirror, pinning up her hair and did not seem to notice me. In the bedroom, beneath a gauzy canopy, a body was moving like it had just emerged from a long dream. A foot poked out from beneath of the blanket, and the soul was grey with dirt. For the first time in months, it was not the interior that felt full of threat. How long had it been since window had kept many dangers of the wall away? Rather than help them in, but this room was safe. All swatting and perfume and late summer, early morning quiet. The young woman smoothed her hands over her hair, tilted her chin upward and tugged on her lip before letting it moistly snap back over her teeth. Then she crawled into the bed where her lover, another young woman, with fruity skin and smile that carved tenches into her cheeks, sat up and stroked her face. They pulled close and I heard them laugh and their kiss was wet and tangible like an oyster passed between them. I felt tingle of tears. I slammed the door shut. When I opened it again, my wife was standing there, looking just woke and mournful. After that, we were alone together. How was that? That was, um, it's called Horror Story by um, Carmen Maria Machado. Um, 
is the author of the story collection Her Body and Other Parties and the Memoirs of House in Indiana, both from Grey Wolf Press. She is a fiction writer, critic, and um, has work appeared in New York, in New Yorker, Granta, Thin House, and so on. And um, her stories has been reprinted in Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy, Best Horrors of the Years, Yes, Best Weird Fiction. Um, she's the artist in the residence at University of Pennsylvania and, um, and lives in Pennsylvania, uh, Philadelphia with her wife. Thank you for sharing that horror story. I don't know whether this is fiction or is it um, non-fiction, but definitely scary. I mean, like, you know, you you watch some uh, documentaries or even um, horror movies. It's definitely relatable, right? So um, I have a lot more to read to you. Um, stay tuned. And I'm going to play one of the tracks uh, by Lulu Roach. Um, you say I'm crazy and enjoy.
Welcome back to Halloween special at Coring the Air 3CR with Sasha Sidek. And um, this is um, an episode all about um, short ghost stories by our uh, queer authors and BIPOC queer authors, uh, where I actually compiled it. Um, uh, for today's show, uh, I found it on internet and some of it I found it on, um, well, internet, Reddit. <laughs> so I also compiled some of the quotes um, that will tingle your spine. One of the quotes says, There's nothing like the laughter of a baby unless it's 1am and you're at home alone. <laughs> Yes, let that sink in. Um, if you listen, if you hear a baby screaming or laughing at one a.m. while you don't, if, if you if you don't even have a baby, you should run away, get out of that house. <laughs> That's the only advice I can give. Run to Seven Eleven or Twenty Four Hours Macca's, and you know, I wouldn't have stayed. In the house, if I hear that, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, so I will share with my own um, ghost stories experience later. But next up is our uh, author named um, Priya Sharma. And it's, this uh, story is called Fabulous Beasts. Um, Fabulous Beasts by Priya Sharma is a horror novelette about a strange woman living in a luxury with her lover. But um, it was tied to her childhood of de uh, deprivation and dark secrets in Northwest England. The woman recalls the unraveling un of the family upon her uncle's release from prison. And I just want uh, listeners to be aware that um, this story deals with difficult content and themes, um, including child abuse, incest, and rape. Eliza, tell me your secret. Sometimes I'm concerned at parties by someone who's been watching me from across the room as they drain their glass. They think I don't know what's been said about me. Eliza's odd looking, but she has not has something, don't you think? Usually late, a French term meaning ugly, beautiful. Only the, only the intelligent can insult you with, with punisher. I always know when they're, they're about to come over. It's in the pause before they walk, as though they're ordering their thoughts. Then they stride over. Purposeful through the throngs of actors, journalists, and politicians, ignoring anyone who tries to engage them for fear of losing their nerve. Eliza, tell me your secret. I'm a princess. Such a ridiculous thing to say, and I surprise 
myself by using Kenny's terms for us. Even though I am now 40 something and Kenny was 24 years ago. I edge past scanning crowd for Georgia so I can tell her that I have nothing. I have enough and going home. Maybe she will come with me. My integrator doesn't look convinced. Nor I should they be. I'm not even called Eliza. My real name is Lola. And I'm no princess. I'm a monster. We canny princesses live in the tower. Kath, my mum, had a flat on the 13th floor of Light Tower in the northern town long past its prime. 217 miles from London and 24 years ago, a whole world away or it might as well be. Amy, Kath's younger sister, lived two floors down. Kath and I went round to see her the day that she came home from the hospital. She answered the door wearing black velour tracksuit, the bottom slung low on her hips. The top rose up to reveal the wrinkled skin that has been thawed over her baby bumps the day before. Hiya! She opened the door wide to let us in. Amy only spoke to Kath, never to me. She had way to ignoring people that fascinated men and infuriated women. Kath and I learned over the Moses blanket. What a diamond! Kath could. She was right. Some new babies are wizened, but not Tallulah. She looked like something from the front of Kath's knitting patterns. Perfect, I knew even at that age. I didn't look like everyone else. Flat nose with too much nostrils exposed. Small eyelids and small ears that were squashed against my skull. I felt pang of jealousy. What's her name, Amy? Tallulah Rose. Amy laid her head on Kath's shoulder. I wish you would have been here. I wanted to be there too. I'm sorry, darling. There was nobody to mind Lola. And Mikey was with you. Kat must have been genuinely sorry because normally she said Mikey's name like she was sniffling sour milk. Where is he now? Out wetting the baby's head. Kath's expression suggested that she thought he was doing more than toasting his newborn. He was always hanging around Amy. Just look, looking after you like Kenny once, he said, as he was only doing his duty. Except now there were shitty nappies to change and formula milk to prepare he, he was off, getting his ends way. Amy wasn't quite ready to let Kath absence go. You could have left Lola with one of my friends. Amy knew better 
Kath never let anyone look after me, not even her. Let's not fight now, Pat. You're tired. Amy gazed with light being reduced in ice water. It contains everything she couldn't say to me. Fucking ugly little runt. You're always in the way. You must be starving. Let me get you a cuppa and sandwich and then you can get some sleep. We stood and looked at the baby when Amy had gone to bed. Don't get any ideas. You don't want to be like your aunt with a baby at 16. You don't want to be like either of us. Kathy always spoke to me like I was 24, not 4. Tallulah stood and stretched, arms jerking outwards as if she was in free fall. She opened her eyes. There was no squinting or screaming. The little scraps going to need our help. Kath lifted her out and laid her on her knees for inspection. I put my nose against the soft spot on her skull. I fell in love with her right then. What do you wish for her? Kath asked, smiling. Chocolate, Barbies, a bike, a pet snake, everything my childish heart could bestow. Saturday, we're for shopping. Katie and I walked down Catrat Street towards town. We would pass a row of grimy Victorian mansions our way that served as reminder of one's great wealth. Now, carved up into flats for social housing or filled with squatters who lay in their dam than with needles in their arms. After this were the terrace joined by the network of alleyways that make for easy assault and getaway. These models of housing was the civic-minded when everyone here had trade due to our proximity to the city of Liverpool. The shipbuilding yards lay empty, and the 1980s brought container ship that did away with the demand for dockers. The life inside spilled out in the sun. Women sat on their steps in pajama, bottoms, and vest tops. Even true, it was lunchtime. Facts in their hand, they would whisper to one another as Kathy passed. Afraid to meet her gaze, a man wore just short his pale beard, barely picking up in the sun. He saluted when he saw Kathy. She ignored him. I followed Kathy. Her trolley wheels freaking, the sound got worse as it filled with vegetables, cheap meat and shrink wrap on styrofoam trays and bags of broken briskets. Katty stopped to talk to a woman with rotten, tea-stained teeth. I was born. We were at the outskirts of town where the shops were more shabby. House clearance stores and refurbished washing machine outlet. I wandered along the pavement, away until something stopped me. The peeling sign 
shop window, Ricky Reptiles. The display was full of tanks, mostly were empty, but the one was a front contain, a pile of terrapins struggling to climb over one another in a dish of water. The shop door was open, revealing the line of floor that curled up in the corner. It was a shade of blue that verged on grey. Maybe it was a little dirty. I could see the lights from the tanks. The fish were dazzling flesh on the colour of or else they drifted on the gossamer fin. I was in. The man behind the counter looked and smiled. But to his credit, he didn't try to talk to me. Otherwise, I would have run. Then I saw a long tank along the back wall. I went closer. The snake was magnificent from the pale skin of her belly on the brown scales on her back. She slitted closer, eyeing me and raised her head. At the front of the third of her body, lifted up, suspended on invisible thread. And I put my forehead against the glass. She likes you, the man murmured. The move of the side of the tank, I realised. I was swaying in time with her, feeling unity in emotion. I was aware of her body, each muscle moving beneath her skin, her skeleton. I looked into the snake's black eye and could see out of them into the, my own. The world was in the trip of her folk, tongue, my curiosity, the shopkeeper's sweat and kindness, the soft flavour of mice in the tank behind the counter. I hand gripped my shoulder heart jerking me back to myself. It was Katie. Get away from that thing. Her fingers were digging into me. Don't you ever come in here again. Understand? She looked at the snake shuddering. God, it was disgusting. What's wrong with you? She shouted at me all the way home for putting the wine up her, letting her think some pervert has taken me. The novelty of motherhood soon wore off. Amy sat in the armchair of our flat, her toenails painted in the same tangerine shade of her maxi dress. She had sunbed fresh and her lips were um, in flattering pale shade of pink. Her hair was in fat rollers ready for the evening out. Guess where I'm going today? She asked. Where, doll? Kev puffed on her cigarette, blowing stream of smoke away from us. Kev's face was shuddering, slamming shut. He loved to see pictures of Lola. Lola, my business, and no one else. While well, I'm taking Talula for him to see next time. So you're not, not to a prison. She smiled, I'll take her where the fuck I want. You're done well to remember you got a daughter. What's that dad mean? You're always out with your bloody mates. You treat me like an unpaid babysitter. She spent more time here than with you 
and you got to check to tell me to mind my own business so it's about money no cat threw up her hand it's it's about you being a selfish spoiled brat i'm your sister not your mum Kev slapped her face, a sudden ball and silenced them both. I'm sorry, Amy. Kev put out her hand and didn't mean to. I mean, Tallulah. Amy snapped, holding out her hand. Be careful with her. Oh, what, Kev? Amy lifted Tallulah up, putting under one of the parcels. I'm going to call social service. Calling such a was a crime akin to calling the police. Tola was a fool on tantrum by then, back ache and kicking. Fierce, she proved too much for Amy to throw her down on the sofa. She lay there, tear-stained and rigid. Amy had started to cry too. Stay here then. See, I sodding care. The morning light came through the tin curtain. Tulula was beside me. I had legs again. I put my hand to my mouth. My tongue was whole. My flesh felt new. More than that, I could see. When I put my glasses on, the world became blurred. I didn't see them anymore. The very surface of my eyes has been reborn. My shed skin felt fibrous and hard. I bundled up into a plastic bag and stuffed it into my wardrobe. Tallulah stretched as she watched me. Her hands felt splayed. Tallulah, what am I? Am I a monster? She sat up and leaned, and leaned against me, her chin on her shoulder. Yes, you are a monster. What do you mean that I am a monster? I do need one to acknowledge that. So, I move on. There was a sound of key in the door. I looked at Tallulah. Only her mouth had a key. We could hear Amy's voice, followed by a man's laugh, a foreign sound in the flat. Katie came out of the kitchen, tea towel in hand. Amy stood in the doorway, flushed and excited, as if she was about to present a visiting dignity. Love is just one you feel for someone when you look at them. It's how they make you feel about yourself when they look at back at you. Georgia is the coolest, most poised woman that I know. We're older now, and our heart and flesh aren't so easily moved. But I still wonder what she sees when she looks at me. Do you love me? It's easier to ask with the lights of off and my head turned away from her. Everything about us is wrong. We're lovers, sisters, freaks. She answers in a way that I have to respond to, a glide across the floor towards her and become a writing, a whiting knot. We hunt mice in our pile and the morning we are back here in our bed, together in our nest. 
when we are awake again as human beings, she says, of course I love you, monster. When she said this guys and Georgia, Eliza and then the skin and Lola's and Tallulah's were our monsters, fabulous beasts. That was um, Fabulous Beasts by um, Priya Sharma. I didn't get to read the whole uh, story because it's way too long and I didn't have the time. So I was skipping some of the chapters. So I will link it up in our podcast if uh, any one of you keen to read this. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really a good story. Uh, <laughs> it's just that um, according to the air, we didn't have... Uh, much time to read the whole the whole uh, story so I will link it up anyway like I said on our podcast and then if you can you can read it up this big light above me I crawl too high my body's cold and frozen Don't pull my rope off right I am alone here Feeling so out of sight No one can see me Close my eyes, they up all
That was Sign Me Out by Lulu Roach, one of my favorite tracks. Um, probably number one <laughs> track on Lulu Roach's um, album. Sometimes the very best short ghost stories are those that include a sense of creeping dread or that tingling sensation where you're not quite sure where the story is going to go or where it's going to end. Filling in the blanks of story with your own thoughts from your own experiences is what can make these ambiguous stories even creepier. So where will this go? You've been listening to Coring the Air. This is the Halloween special where I read up some uh, creepy horror stories from our BIPOC um, or, um, queer authors. So I also have some super short um, ghost stories that I'm going to read out to you too. Um, and um, this is where I found some on Reddits and some on some article. I kind of like reading um horror stories i even love watching horror stories i'm a big fan so this is definitely up my alley so here we go the puppy in the basement these short ghost stories found on reddit and it's super creepy mommy told me never go to in the basement but I wanted to see what was making that noise. It kind of sounded like a puppy. And I wanted to see the puppy. So I opened the basement door and tiptoed down a bit. I didn't see a puppy. And then mommy yanked at me out of the basement and yelled at me. Mommy had never yelled at me before and it made me sad and I cried. Then mommy told me never to go into the basement again. And she gave me a cookie. That made me feel better. So I didn't ask her why the boy in the basement was making noises like a puppy or why he had no hands or feet. Mmm, creepy. Next one is called Nun Chucks. Michelle had a strange experience with her two-year-old daughter. When my daughter was two, I found her twirling paper towel tubes tied with twine in the air. I asked her, what was she doing? She said she was practicing her nunchucks. I was very confused. And as she had no way of knowing what they were, I asked her what she meant. And she said that Adam had told her to how to make them and showed her each not how to use them. She went on and said that Adam told her to practice because she may need not know how to defend herself someday. I almost freaked out, but asked her what Adam looked like. She said he was tall, blonde and blue eyes. She said, Mommy, you know how he looks. You know him. He died of a headache. I had to leave the room. You see, four months before she was born, my tall, blonde, blue eye, martial art pro friend had died of a brain 
tumor at the age of 27. She has not spoken to him since day, that day, so I'm not sure if I scared her with my reaction or if she had completed her lesson. Ugh, that is scary! So the next one is called There's Someone Under My Bed. Sometimes the very short ghost stories are the best these tales from another reddit um, tells the story of father putting his son to bed. I begin tucking him into the bed and he tells me, Daddy, check for the monsters under my bed. I look underneath of his amusement and see him, another him, under the bed staring at me, quivering and whispering, Daddy, there's somebody on my bed. <laughs> that is scary. That is like American horror story. Yeah. Alright. Next one is the chair. These short tales starts beningly enough with a friendly seeming ghost playing with children. But when you learn the origins of the ghost and just why the ghost is moving object around the room, it quickly gets a lot creepier. And this is from BuzzFeed. When my sister Betsy and I were kids, our family lived for a while in a charming old farmhouse. We loved exploring its dusty corners and climbing the apple tree in the backyard. But our favourite thing was the ghost. We called her mother because she seemed so kind and nurturing. Some mornings, Betsy and I would wake up and on which of the nightstands we find a cup that hadn't been there the night before. Mother had left them there, worried that we would get thirsty during the night. She just wanted to take care of us. Among the home's original furnishing was an antique wooden chair, which were kept against the back wall of the living room, where never we were preoccupied watching TV or playing a game, mother would inch that chair forward across the room towards us. Sometimes, she would manage to move it all the way to the centre of the room. We always felt sad putting it back against the wall. Mother just wanted to be near us. Years later, long after we moved out, I found an old newspaper article about the farmhouse original occupant, a widow. She murdered her two children by giving them each cup of poisoned milk before bed. Then she hung herself. The article included a photo of a farmhouse living room with a woman body hanging from a beam. Beneath her, knocked over, was the old wooden chair placed in the centre of the room. Oh my god, did it just get colder in here? It was just me, my hair is standing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, okay, um, let me read you another one. That is pretty scary, isn't it? Oh my god. You know, I like to scare myself sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> okay. A ghost at home. One of my favourite short ghost stories, a man thinks that he loses his phone and someone is playing trick on him. Turns out there is someone playing with him 
but is a goal rather than a person. Last night, a friend rushed me out of the house to catch the opening act at the local bar. Music night. After a few drinks, I realised my phone wasn't in my pocket. I checked the table we were sitting at the bar, the bathrooms and after no luck, I used my friend's phone call to call mine. After two rings, someone's answered, gave out low raspy giggle and hung up. They didn't answer again. I eventually gave up and lost cause and headed home. I found my phone laying on the nightstand right where I left it. Oh my goodness! That is definitely scary. <laughs> um, I guess that's the end of um, my reading. Uh, of all the um, short stories from our um, queer authors and our BIPOC queer authors. Um, like I said, I'm going to also um, uh, share you with one of my experiences. This is when I was in primary school. Sorry, secondary school. This is back in Singapore where me and a few mates went to a park to study for our exam. And this is about like almost sundown. And it's about like 7.30. We were on our bellies um, on the floor in the park, um, circling around and just doing our own thing, reading our books. And then one of my girlfriend got possessed right in front of us. I've never seen like this before. I heard stories, but I've never experienced it. But this was legit. I mean, she, she got up and she started shouting and she said, get me out, get out of my body. She keeps saying, get out of my body. And we didn't even know, know what was going on. And she said, she said, her body is so hot. She, this person needs to come out of her body. Oh my F God, I was so scared. Um, and then we had two boys. There's two boys, three girls. I'm the girl anyway. But yeah, so there's three girls, two boys. The boys hold her hand and uh, 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 the other two girls was holding her feet. So I went to run. Um, uh, this was the park near the beach. I ran and trying to seek help. And then eventually I saw this couple, um, a Malay couple um, who was there sitting around. And then I said to uncle, can you help me? My girlfriend got possessed. So the both of them come and run um, with us, uh, with me um, to uh, the place that um, we were circling in and studying. And then he... Luckily, he knows some prayers. Um, so he was praying and he was he was helping her out until that spirit came out of her. So eventually, as soon as that thing came out of her, she felt so weak and so pale um, that we had to help her drag. Uh, we said, let's go home. So we took a bus home. On the way home, she kept telling us that that person is still sitting right in front of her. And we can see that she was so scared. And um, we can't see anything. Only her, only she can see it. So um, when people talk about spirits and, you know, um, talk about being possessed, I do believe because I have seen it with my own eyes before. You know, even though I do not believe in... Um, um, witchcraft whatsoever I do not believe in all that But when it comes to this um, When someone being possessed I do believe because I've seen it with my own eyes I always believe what I see um, So yeah, that was my experience It was so scary Oh my god, I still get goosebumps Telling you this story So uh, 
I hope um, you enjoyed um, the hour of um, storytelling of our uh, queer artists with their ghost stories. Um, it's definitely uh, a bit chilling. And uh, <laughs> um, and I just wish you happy Halloween. And I'm going to leave you with uh, Welcome to My Dream by Lulu Rouge. And I'll see you again next week. Looking lonely Feeling holy The kid is my seed I do need